to a new episode of Good Morning Camera, and we're back. We're back, baby, because look, we had a few bonus episodes, and uh, it was strategically planned because I was going to be away for a little while. Uh, turns out I was away for a lot longer than I expected, <laughs> Anthony. But you know what? It worked out because we have so much to talk about. There's been yeah. so many announcements. Anthony, and can we just start? Can we just start with one thing, though? Can we just start yeah. with one thing? I missed you. I miss seeing your face. I miss talking to you. Uh, well, Gadgets all around the world, and I'm here, let, like taking in these Z9 orders, and uh, we're <laughs> running the biggest uh, camera sale that we've ever run. I'm holding down the fort for you, Gadget. Though it's everything's good. It's bananas. And, it's bananas. And those those bonus episodes were a lot of fun. I hope I hope people enjoyed them. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. I think it was a great departure to kind of just show, you know, the creator side of things. And who knows, maybe we just create an offshoot show. But enough of them. Enough of those guys. <laughs> yeah, we got, uh, forget we got about too them. much. We got too much yeah, on the menu. We got to start. No key. No key. <laughs> yeah, we got to start with Fujifilm. Uh, as if they didn't have enough announcements for the year, they went ahead and I think made the biggest announcement, and that is the new X-T5. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this camera looks absolutely insane. Uh, if you're like a photo first kind of shooter, this is going to be something to dive into. Okay, so I'll run through a couple of the specs and then you can give me some, if you can fill in the details here. So we got a 40 megapixel sensor. This is backside illuminated as well. So the dynamic range in photography should be pretty dang good. Uh, it's a new processor. I think they needed to step that up with that 40 megapixel uh, sensor. So we have a X processor five. So we're getting an upgrade over the X-T4 and the X-T3. We're shooting 15 frames per second. And they also upgraded the IBIS. So we're getting seven, uh, seven stops of IBIS on this particular camera as well. We're also getting this tilt screen we're reverting back to that tilt screen rather than the flip out screen and i was super curious about your thoughts on this gadget what are, are we feeling this i i actually kind of prefer it this way if we're thinking like a photo first camera what are you what i are you am feeling this like a masseuse <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a saying. I just I just coined the phrase right now. We'll see if it sticks. But look, I yeah. am I love this change. I love this change. I love that Fujifilm. They're they're going through an interesting phase here. I feel like it's a metamorphosis, mm -hmm. you know, like a, a caterpillar in a cocoon, you know, kind of breaking <laughs> out. And you see the butterfly wings starting to happen. Their product lineup is refining over time. So they have the XH series, which goes more into that pro body. And you have one that can be argued is more video centric and one more photo centric. And now mm -hmm. you look at their retro styling. These cameras are largely photo-centric tools, right? They're, they're designed mm -hmm. to be the photography tools of the past, and they're going to lean into that. And I think with this, you know, they're, they're just saying, look, we're going to go back to this three-way tilting display because that's what photographers and operators enjoy, right? If mm -hmm. you want a flippy screen, we got the X-T4 there, if you can still find one, but we have the X-H series. Like, that's what that's there for, right? Mm -hmm. I, I'm excited about this. When I saw this, I'm like, great. Now, if you want to take a low angle, high angle shot, you can look down and you're not looking down and away from the camera. So I got very passionate about this, but let's go back. Like this feels like a massive upgrade. Like it could be argued that the X-T3 to X-T4 wasn't a massive upgrade, 
This mm-hmm. is a massive upgrade, right? You're going to a brand new sensor. We got to test this out. We have the I have the XG5 behind me here, but we tested out a lot with the XH2, a camera I own as well. Um, fantastic images out of it. Just the resolving power of it, especially when you pair it with their new lenses, it just looks really, really good. And you take those results and you match it with the film simulations that they have, you can get these beautiful results out of camera that just have more latitude to them. So if you need a, you know, you're taking an architecture shot or something, and you just want to skew the image, you're not burning a bunch of pixels, right? I mean, well, mm-hmm. you are, but you still have a lot <laughs> left over um, of the image, right? You're talking about the highest resolution APS-C camera. It's fantastic. Then you look at the processing side of things, right? Being able to just shoot continuously for a long amount of time. Their new autofocus sim- system with uh, artificial intelligence built in for tracking, you know, subjects like uh, animals, birds, uh, vehicles, that kind of thing. Like when you actually go in, mm-hmm. I've been using Fujifilm for a long time. So when you actually go in and customize it to what you're shooting, you get a really reliable autofocus system that works incredibly well, especially in low light environments. It works incredibly well. So I was impressed with that. Mm-hmm. But then I also look at this camera and I'm like, you know, for someone that is photo first and might want to experiment with video, maybe even vertical video, you get mm-hmm. a lot of features there as well, right? Like being able Absolutely. to record with just the Eterna and get a great camera a result in camera. That's fantastic. But you can record in both F-Log formats, right? You can record up to 6.2K if you want to, like, you know, record a big frame and then be able to crop and post or get a second angle. Um, mm-hmm. Being able to do 4K60, very reliable stuff. And, you know, they're doing a lot of these things that they probably don't have to. They can just say, you know what, we're going to make this a photo camera primarily. Yeah. Um, but you have the ability to do something crazy like Blackmagic and ProRes RAW through the HDMI. It's yeah. a really impressive camera. Um, it's still early. It's just been announced. It's not even, you know, shipping yet, but I feel like this is something that's going to sell well for the brand. And really their biggest challenge is making sure that they have enough for consumers. Yeah. And, uh, I just saw on our Henry's website that it got posted last night. So the price is $2,299 Canadian. So, uh, that's body only. Uh, I think that's pretty on par with what the X-T4 was when it first came out, if I'm not correct, too. I do like what you said, Gadgen, and that is learning photography on a Fuji camera is a lot easier because you have all these dials and then the aperture uh, on the lens. Um, Like, I, I just think, like, these cameras are absolutely perfect for learning photography and then not spending so much time in post. Uh, And that's what I have started to do like when you first start out you hear like oh you got to shoot raw you got to do this you got to do that raw is not important on these fujifilm cameras at all because their film simulations are fantastic they look the the colors and the contrast are just so nice straight out of the camera this is a camera that if you're looking for just like a, a no fuss kind of thing then this is something that people should be really excited about especially for on that photo side of things. But uh, what what do you think, like, how does this camera differ from the X-H series? And are we, are we saying, like, we're saying that this is photo first. Could this be like the dual kind of creator, like the do-it-all kind of camera? What are, what are you thinking here? Yeah, when I'm looking at the X-H line, right, they are sitting in that pro tier for Fujifilm. Um, the best specs they can throw into that thing, the best heat management, uh, the best Mm -hmm. feature set. And really, it kind of forks out into one that 
XH2S, which might be, some would argue, better for video, right? And especially mm -hmm. if you want to capture uh, more robust video features. Um, and then you have something that is better photo tool, but also competitive in video. Like mm -hmm. 8K video is only available on that as well. So if that's your thing, you know, that's available there. But both of those kind of sit in this pro tier um, and it just gives you everything you want, right? Everything mm -hmm. that you could ask for. The X-T5, I think, like it depends on how you want to define it. It's probably like their flagship camera in terms of just the appeal of it. I think it'll mm -hmm. appeal to more people than the X-H series. It's probably more of a 60-40 split for like photo video where like it leans more into photo. It's designed to be a photo camera. Like just look how it looks, right? Mm -hmm. It's a photography first camera that happens to do really great video that, you know, if you get it, you can really get good video results and maybe even learn video on it, kind of like how I did, right? Mm -hmm. So I think where this differs is that if you're someone that really wants to be, like you don't have to be a professional, even if you want to just elevate your work, you want to take your street photography or landscape photography or documentary photography a little bit more seriously or your portraiture a little bit more seriously, you're shooting more regularly, right? You know, just... You're looking at what a $2,500 investment for a body and a lens somewhere around there and you're off to the races and you have something that's just going to give you stunning results. Like the ceiling is so high than most people's skill and affluence around photography, right? Yeah. So I think it's more of that photographer, that person that's looking to graduate from their mobile device um, considerably, someone that's looking to graduate from their old DSLR or maybe old mirrorless camera or moving from another one because they create often, I would say like shooting weekly, maybe even every other week, that's mm -hmm. when you're looking at an X-T5, right? Whereas, not to say that the X-T5 can't, I think that if you are making an income you know, from your work, I think the X-H series might be something worth considering over the X-T5. Yeah, and I like this separation between like photo and video cameras uh, with that Fujifilm is kind of carving out right now. So I I would prefer if a brand just gave me like the best video camera that you can just make, right? And I think that the X-H2S, you know, that is a crazy, the, the, the quality that you're getting on the video front is absolutely insane. Now let's make the best photo camera that we can possibly make. And I think that, you know, this X-T5 might be that. And let's dish some of the, the video specs to give me like a the better photo camera and then have the best video camera. Now there's a couple things that I noticed uh, because of the two UH2 or UH, uh, UHS2 cards, uh, you're not gonna get that uh, ProRes in, in this particular model for video uh, also I noticed that the fan accessory is not going to be uh, able to be mounted on this XT5 because it can't flip out where are you gonna put yeah, the fan it can't flip out it can't flip out so uh, <laughs> if you're looking to take those longer takes in like video like like you said this is perfect for somebody who just really wants to um, kind of tinker with video and maybe it's not 100% your thing you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's that. I mean, I'm just I'm just very excited for this camera. I'm excited for Fujifilm. They they, mm -hmm. they had a crazy year. So kudos to them for yeah. all they've announced this year. And now, <laughs> you know, now it's time to ship. So let's see what they can do with that. But enough of them. Mm -hmm. We have something else to talk about, right? We have something else to talk about. And this is from our friends at Canon because they went ahead 
in the silent of the night. I don't know why they do these midnight <laughs> releases, but they <laughs> announce things at midnight. Guys, I'm out. I'm out. Listen, yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting old. Nine thirty. <laughs> I'm in my PJs. I'm comfy. You know, yeah. I'm tucking. I'm tucking myself in. We're not catching it's it. Get out of here. Yeah. Oh, it's, you're missing the news cycle for me. <laughs> so look, they announced uh, a few things, but let's. We're going to talk about only one of them. That is the R6 Mark II, the Canon EOS R6 Mark II. The R6 was sort of their uh, higher enthusiast pro-level hybrid solution. If you're looking mm-hmm. for a Canon solution that was great at photo, great at video, similar to what like the X-T5, you know, kind of is for a Fujifilm, this one, a little bit more 50-50. But mm-hmm. that was the R6. They announced the Mark II. And like, I get why some people at first glance me like, you know, why did they do it? It was only announced two years ago. But Anthony, according to you, there's a lot of changes here, right? Yeah, my list of talking points here is pretty lengthy. So let me just get through a couple of like maybe the photo specs and then we'll talk about video. So Canon R6 Mark II, you get a 24 megapixel sensor. The previous version was 21. We have 12 frames per second mechanical shutter, 40 frames per second on electronic. You get a crap ton more autofocus points when you're shooting photo. Uh, There's also going to be some photographers who I think this feature is going to be pretty interesting uh, especially if you're coming from a DSLR but they have this optical viewfinder uh, mode and I'm not one of those shooters that you know is thinking that the DSLRs are like the best way to shoot but there are a lot of customers out there who love their DSLR and are weirded out by the transition between mirrorless and DSLR but this R6 Mark II has an optical viewfinder simulation and this actually comes from the R3 and it essentially just allows you to look through the viewfinder without any distractions so I think this is a feature worth noting if you haven't made the jump into mirrorless yet Uh, so this is a pretty comfortable kind of thing for for those types of uh, shooters so the the video front though is the list here is pretty large but let's talk just photo first what do you think about like just photography what have you seen from from uh, the news announcements gadget on the photo front so I kind of got most of my updates from other people. <clears throat> and, you know, I had the camera here for a few hours with our friends from Canon. So I didn't really get to test it out much. I really didn't get to push it. And, you know, we, we can't really dive in. I don't think it was a, a final unit. I don't know. So I go online. I watch these videos. And here's the thing. Like, you can't take too much from these first impressions. Even my own mm-hmm. first impressions videos. Because <laughs> you want time with the camera, right? You want to actually, yeah. like, experience it and see what it can do. And especially take these raw files and go back and play with them. So mm-hmm. I don't have much of an opinion, but I can tell you what is impressive or stands out to me. Like deciding to say, you know what, we're going to stay at 24 megapixels. Like our new sensor is only going to go to 24. It's not going to go to like 30 or 40. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You know, the yeah. super large photo sites. I can't wait to see what the pictures look like from a camera like this. Um, the eight stops of, image stabilization again depending on what lens you have that's impressive like they did really good job with their previous cameras and the stabilization of the r3 and i'm excited for what this is going to be able to do any improvements to autofocus again i didn't get to push this at all but i'm Mm -hmm. curious to see how it holds up especially with you know the next manufacturer we're going to talk about um but all in all this just feels like a refinement that makes this even more of a compelling 
offer for people that are looking to invest and make money with their work. You know, yeah. I think hobbyists and enthusiasts on the high end might look at this, but I, the R6, I often be, make it synonymous with like wedding photographers and wedding videographers and uh, people that are just a little bit more entrepreneurial, right? And I think that it creeps more to that than mm-hmm. some other products on in their lineup. So kind of, I'm just excited. I'm excited to see what people create with this thing. Okay, so let's flick the switch, pun intended here, and go over to some of the video specs. And Canon shooters, like, Canon shooters are so freaking cute. They get all excited about this little switch on the camera that flicks from photo to video. And like other brands have been doing this for so long and they get, and this comes. They're excited. They finally get to do it. There's nothing wrong with that. That's Uh, not, I mean, yeah, maybe that's cute, but that's okay. Yeah. That's so funny that they get so pumped about this because other brands have been doing this for so long. Fujifilms, they've been doing this forever, but we have this new little switch that flicks you over into the video mode. And when you do that, you're, so you're getting this 6K sensor, uh, but it only shoots 4K, but it's oversampling that 4K, which is, personally, I think that's the right direction to go right now, especially in the more affordable models. You don't need 6K, but it's nice that you're getting a much sharper 4K image. Now, the megabits per second are still not that high in video. So in 24P, you're going to, you're going to tap out at about 100 megabits per second, which is not it's not that much. And then in slow-mo, you do tap out at 340 megabits per second. So the dynamic range is going to be decent, but it's not as it's not going to be as high as some of their other Canon cameras out there, which kind of makes sense because that's their pro line that they're kind of protecting here. Uh, you do get 180 frames per second in 1080p with no record limit too. And Canon, I think they, they're they're confident on this one that there isn't going to be any overheating on this camera. I think they took a beating on the R5, and I think they got their heat management under control in this mo- uh, in this model. Right now, other kind of key things that video people are going to love is you have breathing correction on this, which is really interesting. So you get a slight little crop, and then when you actually manually focus, like from left to all the way right, you're not going to notice a huge like punch in or like zoom in kind of thing uh, happening on your video right and then you're also getting false color zebra but then a micro hdmi which is kind of uh but i mean it is what it is but false color and zebra on a camera that's supposed to be maybe like mid to high end that's that's a big i would say it's closer to high end i think it's closer to high end i just feel like it's about it's about time a camera like this had zebras (laughs) and false color you know, yeah. and I, I kind of wish Fujifilm would take a note out of these guys and 100%. do the same thing as well, right? Yeah. When they have an X-H2 and X-H2S and you don't have things like false color or waveforms, you know, things like this that other brands are doing. So I'm mm. glad, I'm glad. I, I didn't see if the R6 Mark II had waveforms. I don't think so, but correct me if I, I'm wrong. I didn't see that feature as part of this, but false color is massive. Like yeah, this just makes it, it might seem intimidating, but folks, like, you know, it just makes it so much easier. You press one button and it looks at your frame and it tells you in a color coordinated way if mm-hmm. it's over or underexposed. And it's yeah, not about always making sure that things are exposed. Like I like using it because when I hit it on my C70, I'll see, okay, I want a little bit underexposed. I want I want some of these shadows to be a little bit darker. I want a mm-hmm. bit of that dynamic range in the shot. And false color helps you do that because it tells you how much 
is at the right point, a little bit over, a little bit under, or completely gone on either mm-hmm. side. So I'm just excited. I'm just excited. You know, I'm looking at <laughs> yeah, this. A, I wish I wish the view. Yeah, I wish the viewfinder had uh, a little bit more resolution. I feel like a camera of this price and nature, you should be looking at you know a little over five million dots. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I you know I, I think that most people won't care. I think most people that pick it up probably won't care for these smaller things. So, I mean, kudos to them. They're gonna sell. I just I, I don't I like. I don't feel like Canon <laughs> makes a camera and it doesn't sell. I feel like it's gonna sell really well. 100%. When I normally look at some of the Canon cameras, I'm usually thinking like, what's the crutch, right? But or what's the catch? You know, what are, what are, what's going to not do well in this camera? But I don't think there is anything. So Gadget, we're running low on time because like, like I said, you said we got a lot of topics, but let's quickly move on to another huge announcement. And that is the Sony a7R5. I didn't really look into this, but you you went to the event, so fill us in. What's your first impressions? List list off some uh, some of the specs for us here. Yeah, I got the camera right behind me here, and and first off, thank you to Sony for actually inviting us out uh, to their creator space. They brought this event back after a couple year hi- hiatus, and it was just mm-hmm. nice to be there and kind of see the camera, talk to their ambassadors, talk to their artisans, their collective, and really kind of see what they're taking to with this camera. The Sony A7R5, three years after the A7R4 announcement, they're back. It has the same 61 megapixel sensor, but they've essentially improved everything around it with a brand new Bions XR processor. And what this translates to is like, imagine having this amazing V8 engine, you know, in your car mm-hmm. and now getting like better transmission, better gear shift, better wheels, better tires, better brakes, like improving everything around it. That's what this camera is, right? So you have essentially a processor that's squeezing out more dynamic range from your 61 megapixel sensor. Arguably, probably the best full frame sensor performance from a technical standpoint, arguably. I haven't tested Mm -hmm. it to that level yet, but it's pretty crazy. Your ISO expandable up to like 102,000 and really just great results in low uh, low light environments, right? Biggest thing here is their autofocus. They have now, similar to Fujifilm, have this dedicated artificial intelligence processing unit that they throw a bunch of data at. They show these data sets of like humans, animals, now insects, vehicles. So when you go into these modes and you choose subject detection based on this mode and the wide tracking, it just pulls from this artificial intelligence engine that has these massively huge uh, data sets to pull from to accurately pull focus. And it's bananas. We got to test it out with humans, with vehicles, <laughs> and even with some bugs, some tarantulas. It was pretty oh creepy, gosh. but we were there. Um, <laughs> and it was surprising me uh, how it was just picking up these things really easily, right? Yeah. It has brand new image stabilization. I think this is the best upgrade. You know, I'm, I gave credit to Fujifilm for bringing back the three-way tilt display. Um, Sony went ahead and just kind of like knocked it out of the park where they have an LCD display that can do the three-way tilt, but also flip out. It has both. So it's technically a four-axis multi-angle display. Uh, This is even better than what the S1H did for Panasonic. This one is just a much smaller unit. It's not as big and chonky like that one was. Mm -hmm. So this one is just, I I, I mean, kudos to Sony. You you did it, (laughs) and I'm just hoping more people copy it, right? Then you look at the viewfinder. 
Okay, we're talking about uh, uh, viewfinders here. How about 9.44 million dot viewfinder oh <laughs> with 120 frames per second refresh rate? When you look through this thing, you're looking into this. It's almost like a Sony Bravia TV. Okay. Oh my goodness. You're not going to find a better viewfinder than this. It's the best way to experience photography through a digital viewfinder if you're into that kind of thing. And then, of course, you get 8K video up to 25p, not 30, but up to 25p. Um, 4K 60 videos are obviously there. Super 35 modes are there with oversampling. Even the 4K, you have oversampling options. Um, there's also a new Wi-Fi and USB connection that's faster compared to the predecessors. Mm-hmm. It's just a really, really impressive camera. So when I went there, you know, the biggest thing that stood out to me is like, if you are a practicing professional, whether it's weddings, portraitures, travel, landscape, journalism. I met some people that are more in the documentary journalism world. Like this just feels like such a powerful camera, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that those were my impressions, Anthony. <laughs> it's a it's a big topic to to kind of to, to kind of go over here in such a short period of time. But last question before I guess we move on to creator draft picks with the tarantula eye detection. Is this camera something that people should be upgrading to? Is it necessary? <laughs> well, it's not eye. It's it's not eye detection <laughs> on insects. It actually just detects the whole insect itself. Uh, um, yeah, that's I joke. don't think this camera is for most people. I think this camera is for the professionals that mm-hmm. are working. You know, every day they got big clients, biggish budgets, and they're just working at their craft. I think that Sony has such a wide uh, lineup, not to mention all the other manufacturers. There's tons of cameras out there for most people. This is for the people that are kind of on the bleeding edge and want the latest and greatest. Um, Even if you have an A7R4, you might not necessarily upgrade. I, I I think it's that small group of individuals that demand the best and want the best, and they're compensated for that. So I I Mm. think this is more for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's my fair answer. enough. Fair enough. You know, we got to put a time limit on some things, and uh, now's the time limit. So, Gadget Creator Draft Picks, I got something juicy, especially for the Sony users. Um, what's what are you feeling for uh, this week? So, I was in a bit of a predicament. Um, as you know, I use some Godox lighting systems. We had it there at our uh, fan expo. Um, mm-hmm. We put a lot of reps. Unfortunately, a few of them started dying, so I need to replace them. <laughs> And I, I told myself, you know, Godox is fantastic, but if I ever move away or upgrade, it's going to be to Profoto. We rent some mm-hmm. Profoto lights for some of our shoots. They make the best lighting tools, the best quality, the best user experience. Um, and we had an amazing offer come on the table, and I upgraded a couple of the lights. I got the Profoto A10, the A2, and I really think, yes, these are considerable investments, but these might be the best ways to get into lighting. You have something that is, you know, designed incredibly well and made well that you can feel the quality as soon as you pick them up. You feel like these things, if you drop them, they're not going to break right away. You feel like you can take them around the world. You can pack them with you and they're going to take a beating and just work. Then you have the quality of the light where when I was firing and testing them, the accuracy, the white balance of it, like just there, there is no variance and shift in here. It just works incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Then you have the, mag- the magnetic system that they started where you can put on these different modifiers and it just clips in. So I have like the click softbox clips in re- uh, really tough. And I have the A2 where 
you know, I can hold this with one hand with this mini softbox and hold the camera up to my face and just be taking portraits in a very like mobile way, which is really cool. It just makes it incredibly easy. Then you look at how you use the light where it's just a big number from zero to 10 on the back. Mm. So you're just like looking at it and like, I understand lighting. I'm just thinking about most people. They don't understand lighting. They don't understand the fractions, the compensate, all, no. So when you have a big number on the back that you just turn a (laughs) dial and it turns it up and down and that's you getting into manual lighting, what a way to get started. And let me just cap it off with their app. They make an incredible app. I really feel like in the imaging space, it's really like Leica and Profoto that make good apps that work Mm -hmm. incredibly well, that are intuitive, that just are almost seamless. So when I turned the flash on for the first time, the Bluetooth turned on and I had the app and the app detected it right away. And then I connected it and I could change settings. I could fire remotely. I could update the firmware. I could register it for the warranty. It was all done seamlessly, Anthony, seamlessly. (laughs) So my pick is the Profoto A10 and the A2. The A10 is that speed light style that sits on top of your camera, but you can also remotely trigger. The A2 is more of that uh, strobe style where it doesn't sit on a camera. You just put it on something or you can even hand hold it. Um, I'm just really excited to use these, to get started with these and, and to do more photography with these lights. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to that mantra, that I guess, that we were talking about in previous episodes where if you just buy it once, you never have to buy it again, right? And yep. that's it. <laughs> yep, that's it. Okay, so Gadget, do you ever, let me ask you this question. Do you ever explain things to your wife about like photo things? And she goes like, oh, cool. But then you're like, no, 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 you, you don't understand. <laughs> Does that ever I've stopped, happen? actually. I've stopped, actually. You know why? Because I get excited about the stupidest things yeah. and most oh, of the world, is... not just her, most of the world doesn't care. Most this of the world it. doesn't care. That's why <laughs> I started is... this podcast with you. Exactly. <laughs> it's actually a support group. This is so funny because that's exactly what happened. Uh, okay, so I'm explaining this thing to my wife and she's going, oh, cool. And I was like, what? No. Oh, my gosh. All right, let me call Gadget. And, and explain yeah. this. <laughs> so uh, I was looking, I was shopping around because I'm not really sure what I want to do with like the video frame, like the, on the video side of things. Do I want to switch to a different brand? Do I want to stick with Fuji? I'm not 100% sure. I want the best tool for the best, for, for the job, right? And I don't know if I want to stick with Fujifilm for the video front on like the maybe dive into something into the cinema camera kind of realm. So I'm looking at the FX3 and I'm like, okay, what accessories can I get for the FX3 or any really Sony cameras that is going to uh, help out with video, right? And I'm on the Tilta website and I see this thing called the Tilta CF Express Type A to M2 slide storage handle. (laughs) This is, this is, some of the, I've never seen this before. So essentially, this is a hand grip attachment for your Sony camera that attaches to the bottom of your camera, but provides you with an extra little bit of grip. But then you also have a CF Express Type A card that'll slide into your card slot, and it gives you 512 gigs of CF Express Type A memory with like crazy read and writes uh write speeds so you're going to be able to shoot all the frame rates all the codecs 422 10 bit no problem uh anything like that 
with this little hand grip and then record that to the little memory card that's attached to this hand grip. You have a USB-C cord that allows you to plug it into your computer and then dump all your video or photo files at 20 gigabytes per second. Uh, and then here's the kicker. This is what kind of hit home for me. 164 gig Sony Tough CF Express Type A card goes for just over $500. This Tilta 512 gigabyte side handle goes for a thousand, which is still it's that's a pretty it's pretty dang expensive. Still, still pricey, yes. <laughs> but you're getting 3.2x times the storage for double the price of that 160 gigabyte card. And then on top of that, you have a side handle. So this Tilta little side handle is com uh, it's compatible with the A1, the A7S3, and the FX3. I assume it would probably be compatible with the FX30 as well. I think this got released uh, before the FX30 came out. So I'm pretty sure if you can take a CF Express Type A, then you can put that into the FX30 as well. So this thing, it seems pretty crazy. And if I'm switching over to Sony, I'm thinking this is like an automatic buy because like, if you're recording those high frame rates, you're getting all that dynamic range that Sony cameras offer. I think you should investigate into something like this because this seemed pretty slick. When I was reading the specs and like the read and write speeds, they're nuts. They're nuts. So This looks so freaking cool. Yeah. But also you're pushing the limit of how much I can be excited about this. You're pushing the <laughs> limit, Anthony. You're pushing the limit. I'm explaining it to my wife and she goes, it's a memory I'm surprised. I'm surprised she didn't kick you out of the house. Like, don't <laughs> even waste my time talking to me about this crap. Because uh, this is kind of cool. But I also can cool. empathize with the fact, like, how much <laughs> I need to know to be excited about this. Uh, so funny. Half of our listeners, like... they've tuned out. They're like, I don't know what this kid's talking about. Uh, I'll see you in the next episode. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. That's that, all look, well, too good. Too expensive. <laughs> too expensive creator draft picks this episode. Listen, next uh, next episode we're gonna come back. We're we're gonna lowball everything, guys. Okay, yeah, we're, we're, we're gonna come in. We gotta go. It's gonna $10. be ten dollars <laughs> or less is our goal for next next episode. Uh, um, as always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Anthony, for your time. Uh, be sure to uh, subscribe to the show if you haven't already. So if you're on Spotify, like follow the show. It does support us and tell your camera nerds and geeks and enthusiasts and hobbyists and professionals about the show we'd love to just grow the show as organically as possible and not have to read ads for squarespace or something like that <laughs> um as always his name's anthony my name's gadget and we'll see you next time <laughs>